want to welcome the faithful on a Wednesday night. Happy New Year. Uh, when you guys go to heaven and there's a little bit of a question as you're standing there at the gates about whether or not you're going to get in, you just remind them of tonight that on a cold holiday night, you came on Wednesday night, that it just say, tell it, and, and I'll put in a good word for you because I'll probably already be there. <laughs> Eddie said to let me in. <laughs> so I, I think if there is a class that, I said, I said this, when did I say this? In December, if there's a classic that it wins the record for starting, stopping, starting, stopping, it was this class. And now it is definitely this class. We started in November, we took a, November, we took a Thanksgiving break, then we started and then it snowed. And then we started and then it snowed and then we had Christmas break. And so uh, we, this thing has been dragging on for so long. Uh, we are, I'm going to push this to finish. Um, by summer. <laughs> by summer. <laughs> it's not as long as Jude. I, I, I felt, I knew that was coming. Um, tonight we're going, we're going to jump straight into a video. The title, the title of this series, just to remind us what it is, is unoffendable, and it's in, in, in a culture, in our nation, in our culture, in, in churches where there's so much fighting and bickering and division and, and offense and hurt and retaliation, um, learning to be people who um, aren't, aren't impulsively reactive by our, by our anger um, learning how not to be offended and hurt by someone, but learning how to to forgive and not let anger take control of our lives. And so um, that's that's the basic point of the book. We're going to watch a video. It's going to last 18 minutes. And then I'm going to ask you what were the main points. We'll have discussion on it. There is one really powerful thought, one word, one virtue, that if we get that tonight, then it's 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 very ma meaningful. I actually have four points. One from the book. If you want, if you're reading the book, that's not in the video. But there are three basic points I found. Maybe you'll find more. I'm gonna after the video is over. I'm gonna say what were the points? What did you learn? What are your questions? So that's why I gave you the um, the notebook pads and pens. So if you don't have one, the pens are here. Let's jump into it and and let me try to do this again. I thought I had figured it out earlier. That goes there. And let's go to, yes, we've made it all the way to lesson number three since November. Don't say that. Got a, you got zebras? Oh, cool, thank 
joking. Puppets. I come from a family of puppeteers. I'm very good at it. See the realistic hand? This is... Most people can't. Most people can't do it that good. Not like this. Not with realistic hand motions. That's what sells it. I just... I have a gift. So. I want all of these. I want all... I want all the zebras. I want this one and I want this one. I want them all. Whoa. Smartest man who ever lived. A lot of people are like, who was Einstein? Or for some reason, it's always Einstein. But how about Jesus? I mean, he's not—he's not just the son of God. He's like—he's the smartest man who ever lived. He knows how to live, and he showed us how to live. And he's genius. And I want to talk about that, but we have to acknowledge that suddenly we're in a rainforest cafe. Um, I like it. Um, but I want to acknowledge the fact that, that he knows how to live so that we can look at what he's telling us to do. We talked about being radically forgiving. This is actually a smart way to live. We're finding that out. What's fascinating to me about this, I read a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. That's the name of the book. And it's written by a guy who's a primate neuroendocrinologist at Stanford uh, by the name of Robert Sapolsky. It's a brilliant book. I want you to know, too, that Sapolsky refers to himself as a strident atheist. I listened to his whole course that he, he teaches at Stanford, and he was explaining why zebras don't get ulcers, because they don't. Nor do any other animals on the face of the planet. We're the only creatures that get ulcers. It's unique to humans. And he was explaining why that is. It's because we're the only ones who can take fight or flight and just keep it. Basically, he's saying, that stress that you feel when you feel threatened is supposed to be a temporary thing. So for animals, that's the, that's the case. Let's say you're a zebra and you're in the wild, you're on the Serengeti Plain or wherever they hang out. I just made up some from Africa. I hope that's right. People would be like, they're not on the Serengeti Plain. I think they are. But imagine a lion is coming after you. There's all these things that happen because you're trying to get away physiological changes, things that happen to your metabolism even, things that happen to your, your heart rate, obviously your blood pressure, your reproductive system shuts down, your, your endocrine system changes everything in your body, cortisol level spikes, adrenaline, all that sort of stuff. The thing is, it's supposed to last for about 30 seconds, and then it'll be over. One way or the other, it's going to be over. It ends. You get away, you don't, but that's what it's for. Zebras don't think about what about what if I lose my job next week? What about next year? What if what if this happens? What if that happens? What if the zebra business goes under? Like what they're they're not thinking about that. That's us. We're the only ones. And Sapolsky says this. I think it's fascinating. He said we're the only creatures that can imagine threats and have a physiological response to things that haven't even happened. It won't even happen. We're borrowing from tomorrow. We think this is a a. a a way to live, Sapolsky makes some great points. I mean, you can, you can understand the entire physiology when he talks about it. I can't because I'm not an expert in this way, but 
I mean, weight gain, skin changes, heart problems, uh, down the line. Diabetes, there are all of these ramifications of us holding in these stresses or keeping stress alive in our bodies instead of letting it go. And he came to this conclusion, I thought this was fascinating, especially in, in light of this. He came to this conclusion when he was talking about um, humans. And again, the guy calls himself a strident atheist, and I appreciate where he's coming from. But he came to a conclusion in his, his course, he said the best thing to do in sum is don't borrow trouble from tomorrow because it'll actually shorten your life. It's not going to add life. If you, if you worry about things that could happen tomorrow, if you're going to be stressed out about threats that having to happen to you. Instead, he said, be like the animals. They're not that way. I'm like, I have heard this before. <laughs> this rings a bell. Isn't it fascinating? 2,000 years ago, Jesus told us how to live. And here's this top primate neuroendocrinologist at Stanford coming to that conclusion. Jesus is a genius, and it's good to think of him that way so that we don't dismiss what he's saying. Like, actually take it very seriously. We don't want to live a life with anger in our bodies. That's why we're told to get rid of it quickly so that it doesn't destroy us. It's physically better for you. You've probably noticed there are some people who are older people, maybe 80 or 85 or something, and you can look at them, and you're like, that, that woman is at peace. You don't have, she doesn't have to say anything. You can just see it. Or this person is bitter and angry. Because literally the face has changed. Like, you wear it. You also may notice that, some, that you become more and more of a kind of a caricature of who you are as you get older. So if you are bitter and angry, and you've been bitter and angry, and you've, you've held your bitterness and anger, and you've decided it's okay to keep it, like, you become this person who's this bitter, angry caricature. It's like you start this trajectory and you wind up all the way over there. Same thing, I've heard this from scientists. Like if you're one degree off on a moonshot, you'll miss the moon by 4,000 miles. So the trajectory matters a lot. So if you're younger, and you're, you can get away with this anger thing for a while, and, but as you get older and older, it becomes more and more distorted. It's like C.S. Lewis said, at first, it starts as a grumble, but in the end, you're just a grumble. It's like a machine that just grumbles on forever. You become more and more of that thing. So this is why it's really important now to arrest this, to change our lives, to be different kind of people, to actually let people off the hook in light of what God's done for us, and not to live with it. Then you, you, you run into people who are 80, 85, and they're like saints. Like they listen, they have wisdom, they're patient. You want to be around them. Like, that was, that's the result of decisions that they have made over time. That's why they are now this caricature of a really awesome person. And that, I mean that in the best way. They can become more and more that way. Conversely, there's the guy at the grocery store hitting you with his shopping cart. He's 90 years old. And you're like, why is he so mad at everybody? I, I've never done this, but I always want to ask the question, when I encounter that kind of anger and lying or something from somebody, I always want to just turn and, and seriously ask this. I can't because it would be offensive to people, ironically, but I was like, have you always been angry? That, when did that happen? I need to know so I don't turn out like this. <laughs> I, I know, see, you can't say that. 
I know that now. <laughs> so this is this is very important for us to get a handle on now. It's just a healthier way to live. And this is centrally about trusting God, actually trusting him. A lot of our anger is a lack of trust in God. Same thing with worry. Like we have a thing that we that life is supposed to go this way and it's not going this way. And we see something as evil or unjust or something happening. It's it's like I don't know if I trust God to take care of this. Even though he promises he will, in the end, he is the judge. We are not. He can be trusted with it. He can be trusted, like we said, with vengeance. He can be trusted with anger. His stuff is righteous. We're sinners. So we have a different, a different viewpoint on life than he has. But you know what's wonderful about that? If we do trust him, if we do trust him, it's so much easier in life because you can think, I don't have to settle this score. He's going to in his wisdom. What a relief. And when I think about trusting God, I always remember this story. At the time, I didn't really think it was that profound. It was later on. I thought, oh, huh. And we used to live in Houston, Texas, and they have a huge, I presume they still do, just a massive rodeo. Like, it's a huge thing. And uh, I wanted to go to the rodeo because my daughter is way into horses. And she was little, and she was in one of those little child seats in the back of the car. We have our, our, our boys a few years older than her, so I think they were like, I don't know, six and three or something. And uh, it was a chilly March day, and so we had to put our little coats on and hats and stuff. And we that's a hassle. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Like, just the winter clothes. It's like a logistical nightmare on the order of Operation Desert Storm, but it's just like, you just want to... <laughs> You got to zip them up, you got to get everything tied together, you know, click, 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 with the hats on and everything, and then you got to click them into the seat and click, 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 click. So it's a big deal to get out of there. Well, we had a bunch of errands to run, which I'd forgotten about, so we had to go by the store, we had to go by some friends to pick something up. So each time we're getting her out, I click, 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 out of the, out of the thing, out of the, out of the seat, she would pick her up, set her down over here, going over there, going to stop and over here, going over there. And we, we ran all these things where she's in and out of the, her coat, she's in and out of the house, she's in and out of the store. We get into the car, we start going down the, the interstate, and then I was going too fast. And there's, you know, police lights behind me. I'm like, oh, man. And uh, so I pulled over. Policeman gets out. You know, the lights are going and everything. And then he makes me, you know, roll down the window. I get my license. He gives me a ticket. I never get a warning. And so <laughs> and we, get, we take off from there. And... Uh, I hear Julia's voice in the back seat, and she says, hey, Dad. I'm like, yeah. I see, like, adjust the little mirror thing so I can see her. She said, where are we going? I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell you, we're going to the rodeo. Oh, great. That's exciting. We're here to see horses. All right. It's going to be great. And it dawned on me, like, I rewound the whole day in my head. Like, from her perspective, it's like clickety, clickety, click, zip, 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 we're going over here, back into the seat, you know, it's fastened down and then out and fastened back in and up and down and over here and pick you up. And I'm like, and she didn't know where we were going. Now, any of us, if stuff is happening to us in life, that, that's, we can't handle that. I gotta know. And, even for her, like it's so interesting, like why wasn't she worried? 
why wasn't she, why wasn't that her principal question? And I realized it's because she trusts the driver. If you trust the driver, that's why she, you don't have to be worried. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie The Help. There's this great scene where it's Abelene, I think is her name. But she turns to the evil lady, <laughs> Miss Hilly, I think her name was. At one point, she's just, because the lady's just doing her thing, self-righteous thing. And Abelene turns towards like, ain't you tired? Ain't you just tired? Such a relief to actually trust God and to say, I don't have to live this way anymore. I'll give you an example of a decision I had to make because I'm a radio host. You get input from everybody all the time about how you're a failure. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I've done talk radio and people are just mad. And then I've done Christian radio and people are just disappointed. So like, I'm just so disappointed with you. And uh, this, this is my favorite um, complaint letter I've ever gotten. And I hope I don't encourage somebody to try to top it. But I mentioned it. I actually put it in the book. And this lady, I'll just, I'll just read this letter. But I had to decide when I get this stuff, like, am I going to be upset about this? And do I have to correct everybody and control everybody? Because that's what I wanted to do. I would get emails or, you know, messages from people. I feel like I need to control their perception of me. I've got to enter into this argument. I have to figure this out. So this, this lady said, I have listened to your show many times. And all I can truthfully say is I know the devil smiles every time you pick up that mic. <laughs> so I was like, this is off to a pretty good start. Um, and she says, uh, you actually told your listeners that tattoos are not an issue. You are a theological mess, and I could possibly get past the stoner Bert and Ernie shtick. <laughs> like stoner Bert and Ernie shtick. That's actually a good idea for a show, but I don't know. <laughs> if you ever had one intelligent or spiritual thing to say, but you don't, you come up with mindless, meaningless, worldly, spiritually bankrupt topics to discuss, and the other lukewarm, undecided followers out there eat it up. What a shame. You have such an opportunity to help change, the, change lives, but you use it like an apostate. So, and then it gets worse from there. <laughs> so, I get these things all the time, and I have to. I had to decide: Are these things going to control me, or am I going to decide before I even open my email thing? I'm not going to be offended by people who are broken. I think my response to her was: Should I put you down for forty dollars a month to support the station? Or <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't respond. But God bless her. Seriously, like, I hope He blesses her. And actually, when you do pray for somebody, this is a great way to engage on this. When you do actually pray for the person who is offending you or causing you that anger in that moment, your words will turn away wrath. And I always thought the proverb, you know, a kind word will turn away wrath. It turns away their wrath sometimes when you're talking to somebody kindly. But you know, mostly it turns away my wrath when I bless people. So I can just hear myself praying for people. My wrath is gone. So I'm not angry at the emailer. I'm actually hurting for her. Changes everything. But blessing your enemies, again, Jesus is a genius. He's giving us a better way to live. Let's 
sees it, we can do this. So this is my challenge for you before we do our next session. Practice returning a gentle word and a gentle answer with people and see what happens to your anger. Bless your enemies and see what happens to your mental state towards them. Pray that God will bless them even more than you. Try that. I'm serious. That sounds nuts. But your heart will change. Watch it happen. Jesus is telling us how to live, and it's a better way to live for us. So that's my challenge to you, and we'll talk more next time. Really? He's buying the doll. No one should buy that doll. He's buying the doll. So what are what are the just start out a discussion from what we saw here? I've got um, especially one thing that this really helped me out a whole lot. But what would you say are the main points that stood out to you? What was really helpful to you? What are the questions you have? What do you not understand? Um, or what were the main points? Let's start anywhere there, Jeff. The first point that he made was stress is temporary. Stress is temporary. They went into the dialogue or monologue about uh, animals. Have only thirty. We all have thirty seconds of stress. We hang on to it and worry about tomorrow. And why? Why do we hang on to it? We're the only animals in the animal kingdom that do that. But why do we do that? We're human. So we're human. So, so uh, he, the the first thing. So as, as we're trying to, what do we do with this? feeling that comes over us when we've been hurt, we've been offended. The first thing I think he says here is to, and, and Jeff, I think you touched on it, is to realize the, here goes a big syllable word here. They didn't stress spelling in Tennessee in schools, okay? <laughs> Physio physiological, realize the physiological uh, effects of danger. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, there we go. Realize the physiological effects, and he talked about he talked about the zebra, uh, but in all animals, stress happens. An offense or a hurt occurs with a lion coming after them. They deal with it, either they get killed or they somehow get away. But then they move on. But we don't. Uh, so that was that was the first point. That, that's not a strong point. Um, but he did talk about one of the things is, I have this anger that's come into my life. And if I hold on to it, what's going to happen to me? I think was his point. It'll control your life. It'll control your life. It affects you physically. It can affect you physically. Yeah, it, he said his. Did, was that a hand there? Yeah, I was just going to say that the zebra doesn't get mad at the lion for being a lion, but we sometimes get mad at people for being people. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually from the last lesson. Is this is just people being people? What are you scandalized about? This is the way humans are. We're in a broken world. Uh, you're acting like, wow, what are they doing that for? Well, that's because they're human. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. You you uh, you can get ulcers, your tense muscles, neck pain, stomach problems, acid reflux, uh, heart problems, diabetes. Heart problems, diabetes. Uh, it messes with your metabolism and impacts your skin, psoriasis, acne. I think a lot of this was from the book. It's really interesting. My doctor, when, when he said, okay, you've got cancer, and I said, well, what can I do to attack this? One of the things he told me to do was to do yoga. I said, yoga? <laughs> you know, what's yoga got to do with it? And the idea is a mind at rest, a mind that's peaceful, that's not stressed and tense stuff, that actually has an impact on your body physically as well. It's all interconnected. Um, Anything else about that first point? And he, he touched on he touched on a verse of Jesus teaching, but he didn't say, and it's this one, Keith. Well, he stated it a little different when he restated it. He said, basically, he said, "Don't hold on to history because the things that happened before we worry about." And but then there, are, I was just thinking that there's things that are good. And we like to dwell on them, you know. Look at me, how good I did. Move on. Yeah. So when you're, yeah, I don't know how to state it, but anger is history. Don't dwell on it. Okay. Yeah. I like to say, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Yeah, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. So the zebra's not sitting there going, I don't guess, I man, I don't know what the thoughts of zebras are, but now there's a verse, and he says, Jesus is brilliant, he taught that. Where does Jesus teach that? Where do we see that? I don't think he ever made reference to that passage, did he? Matthew 6. Matthew 6. What did you say? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to guess verse 34. Uh, let's see if, if, if I'm correct in that. It's right after the seek ye first. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, and this is this is where that where that I thought, well, he could have really camped out in Matthew chapter six more. I guess he's just trying to to move on. But he actually says, you're sitting there worrying and stressing about all these other things. Look at the birds; they're not. Why not? God takes care of them. So that, that kind of moves on into the, the second point he made is just learn to trust God. One of the reasons why we get so tense and offended and react in ungodly ways is because we don't trust God. Uh, um, but then he says, each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about what's coming. Yeah. So that's where my stress comes from. So we worry about today. <laughs> it has its trouble. But what's the what's the point of that whole passage? You got flowers and you got birds. And even though the flowers and birds have issues throughout the day, what's the point of that? They just keep on trucking. They keep on trucking. God takes care of them. That's the idea. Is learning to trust God. Eddie, there's a there's a story about it. Uh, well, it was a preacher that said this when he was a missionary, and you probably relate to this. He said, he said, in my early life, I was riding a bike, a tandem bike with God, 
and I, I insisted on being in the front. But God would let me up there and he was helping me pedal. At some point in my life, we traded places and we took off for a fantastic ride. And I think that's trusting God. We, we, yeah, we say we trust God, but we want God to do what we want him to do. Yeah. So we don't really trust God. And so, go ahead, Fred. I think sometimes we can trust God. I believe that I trust God to do what's right and do what's best. But we don't always understand the way he does it. And we have in our minds what we would like to see. I know how I would like certain things to turn out. I'm willing for them not to be that way if it's not God's way. But we're human. And I think if I've got a worthy goal that I'm trying to accomplish, but it doesn't work out, did God fail me? No, he just had a different plan. But we naturally get anxious about trying to accomplish something or trying to do that checklist, trying to do good or trying to, you know, avoid a problem or whatever. We may be trying to avoid something and it happens to us anyway. I don't all of a sudden say, well, God failed me. I'm just going, well, God's got a different plan. It's not what I wanted, but I'll find out. You know, so we, it's almost natural to get anxious and concerned about the next step. Yeah. What's going to happen? Betty? Don't you think the best answer is let go and let God? Let go and let God. I, I, love I the illustration of his daughter in the car. It's kind of like, got all this stuff going on. I don't know what's going on. But there was a trust she had. She didn't, she didn't even know where they were going, but did she need to know where they were going? She just knew, that's my dad. I trust him. He's going to take care of me. I don't know why he took my coat off here, why he put the seatbelt on here, why we went there. I'm not understanding that. I'm not even sure I like all this, but I am not even know where I'm going. But my dad does, and so... Uh, I, I trust him, um, and and a a lack of trust evidently is at the root of the struggle we have in our interactions with other people. Uh, and also, I think um, a lot of it is we get impatient. Yeah, you know, we want God to handle it now. You know, take away this or that, take my thoughts away. And it's not happening, and I'm going, come on, God, where are you? you know? I used to have a refrigerator magnet that said, be patient. God doesn't panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We panic, God doesn't. That's a very good point. So it's just trusting God with, with my stress and the, the worries and things that happen, but also especially trusting God with the hurts and fences that come my way. This person has hurt me, this has happened, and God is doing nothing about it, and so... You just get all fired up and upset. And then Romans chapter 12 says, look, you behave in this way and trust God in his time. Whatever is right and just, he will do that. What else What else came in? So we realize the physiological effects. If, if you hold on to it, it's going to hurt you physically, but then you're going to get older and you're going to turn into what? Grouchy old woman. A grouchy, grouchy old woman. <laughs> you said woman, right? <laughs> right, right. I didn't put that. <laughs> I'm not person. To <laughs> no. Person. Person. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so so he's saying this is not something 
a lot of people hold on to offense and hold on to anger because it feels like you have to, you're supposed to. And what it's doing is it's creating in a character in you that's a very unpleasant person to be around and it's affecting your physical body. Whatever it means, you need to get rid of it. Part of that is learning to trust God and say, God, I don't understand, I'm not sure I like it, but I'm, I'm gonna trust you in this. Um, what, else, what else do you say in the video? Pray for people that hurt you and blast them. Yeah. So this is this is the third point, and you're getting into that. He didn't say it with these words, but I'm going to say it with these words. Control your response is the way I'll say it. He especially focused on one area, but he's already talked about two things that Alan mentioned in two in the two previous lessons. When you've been hurt, when you've been offended, um, one of the first things you can do is to pray for others. And the second thing you can do is to bless others. Um, well, I thought it was interesting the way he, the way his reaction to somebody that lashed out at him was one of concern for them rather than because they were coming at him from a place of hurt. Yeah. And I thought that was. A, that's a great way to view people because that's generally what happens. That the, the old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Right, hurting people, hurt people, right. Yeah, and he, I think he mentioned that before in, in a, a, a previous lesson is realize you don't know the backstory of that person and what's going on that's hitting you is likely because of a lot of hurt and turmoil in their life. Try to see beyond the hurt they're causing. Yeah, that's a given and it's the inverse truth. When we lash out at somebody, is it because we're hurt? Probably. Could be. Maybe we need to look at ourselves. Yeah, could be, or could also just be um, pride. He also said that we tend to want to control their perception of us. Yeah. And it, that's hurtless. Like, so he didn't use that word, but it's kind of what he meant can't control how they perceive us mm -hmm. and you, all you're doing is perpetuating the conversation yeah and worrying 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 about what are the people thinking about me what are the people are saying about me um let's let's talk about this for a minute there was one verse that he mentioned in proverbs do you remember it kind word turns away wrath. A, a kind word or a, I, I i prefer the niv a gentle answer a gentle answer. How is, it, how is it specific? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I guess the point that I want to make before I want to talk about gentleness. That's that's what I want to talk about the most. Is you can actually control how you respond, and I think that's really important because have you ever heard somebody in a tense situation almost say, "I don't know what came over me." I'm I'm a pretty good person. I'm nice to people, but man, when this happens, who knows what's going to happen? It's almost as though they lose control and they have uh, no longer responsibility for their actions. Just, just I just I could like what did I just say? Do you know did that come out of? Uh, um, we we ha we 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 have the phrase I, I lost my temper. Is that really accurate? Yeah. 
Did we lose it or did we find it? <laughs> and did we embrace it? And did we engage it? And we made a, made a choice, a willful choice in how we're, we can actually control how we respond. And I think we give ourselves permission to respond in ungodly ways because it was just beyond, beyond us. And I don't know if it's appropriate for me to share this with you, but I know that um, there have been a number of times when there have been people who have come to me and talked to me about sexual, uh, falling into sexual, which really falling is not the way to describe it, falling into sexual sin, which I don't have people talk to me about that as much anymore because most of the younger generation don't believe it's a sin anyway to be sexual before marriage. But there have been times when, I remember especially as one couple came to me, and they just don't know what happened. It was like, like it's just snowballed out of control, Eddie. And I'm thinking, really? You, your car just happened to go to her apartment? Every block that you went past, you were making a choice to keep going in that direction. You, you knew what you were doing. When you got out of the car, you were making a willful choice. It's kind of like, I mean, if you wear Levi pants, they have a really strong button there. They, my pants just fell off. No, there's, there's, there's an effort involved. We just ended up in bed. I thought, like, what, what in the world? No, there, there is a responsible choice. There's, you can actually control your response. And so I think that we think we do the same thing with anger is we give our permission just to vent and let it out. When no, actually we can. And this is the verse. He didn't mention this, but, and you know this verse very well. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. And so the idea there is, the temptation, whatever it may be, the temptation to lash out and, uh, and retaliate to take vengeance or to respond impulsively with ungodly anger. The temptation is great because you don't know what, I'm, what just happened to me. You don't understand. And see, that's a mistake to think. We're in this unique situation that nobody else understands that gives me a license to respond in a way that's ungodly. He says, no, don't think that way. We all go through those similar temptations. Don't that we allow that to give ourselves permission. But then he goes on to say, um, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You can control your response. You can. It may not be easy. It may be harder for others, some than others. But you can control the way you speak, the way you behave, and what you do. Um, God, God has given you. And so that's that's the that's the basis of his of his um, of his of this book. We can choose. We can make a choice right now in this moment. It may be hard. It may be against my impulse to be unoffendable. And I can choose to be gentle. And I love that. I think if, if we take nothing else home but that verse tonight, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word 
stirs up anger. There's two points there. When you give a gentle answer, it, it turns away their wrath. It makes it harder for somebody to continue in a fight with you if you're being gentle and kind in response. may not guarantee that. But secondly, if you respond harshly, what's happening? You're just saying, there's a fire, let me put some more fuel on that fire. But what did he say about a gentle answer? Not only does it turn away their wrath, but what do you say it does? It, it can impact you as well. Um, I think it's interesting. He says a gentle answer turns away wrath. He doesn't say don't answer. He's not saying in the heat of the moment, don't respond. But you can control your response. You can make a choice in how you're going to do that. Um, a great philosopher once said, I can only control what I say. I can't control what you think I said. Yeah. Quote John Wayne. John Wayne, yeah. I, I, somehow I knew that was going to be John Wayne. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Just hear that. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Is your life characterized by gentleness? Are your responses to others in the heat of the moment characterized by response? by gentleness. Is your gentleness evident to all? In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And what's the fruit of the Spirit that precedes gentleness or, or follows it? Self-control. Sorry, I meant to say follows it. And self and the interesting, right, right next to gentleness is self-control. It's not necessarily what self automatically wants to do, but it's the work of the Spirit that I can control. Eddie, you're not doing that. I'm what the Spirit's gentleness work in me. And as a matter of fact, love is also there. So if gentleness is not a characteristic in your life, if it's not, but it's a fruit of the Spirit, then you're quenching the Spirit in your life. Um, I think a mistake we make is to equate gentleness with what? Weakness. Weakness. Or apathy. Sorry? Or apathy. Or, ap yeah, or apathy. Actually, gentleness is a great strength. I think it takes a greater strength in the heat of the moment to respond with gentleness than to respond with whatever impulsive feeling of anger may come my way. I thought I thought of uh, the cousin to gentleness is the word meekness that Jesus speaks of in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek. And sometimes we think that meek is weak. But I remember years ago when I was studying about meekness, I came across a historical reference that that meekness, the word, the Greek word that is used there is a word that is, is also used in reference to a stallion. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard me say it before. Um, a stallion is this horse of incredible strength and 
power, but it's been tamed. It's a power that's under control, and that's what meekness is. I found this in blueletterbible.org when I looked up meekness. It says, meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good, and therefore without disputing or resisting. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely, who are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. Um, the meek will inherit the earth, not the strong and the fighters those who have power and control, those are actually the one who the ones who in the end win. Matthew chapter eleven, how is Jesus described? I am meek and lowly or gentle in heart. Was Jesus a wimp? No. Not at all. So if you're not meek and gentle, you're not like Jesus. Um and so there's three controlled responses that, that, he, that he speaks of. First of all, gentleness. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And then Alan touched on the other ones. He mentioned those uh, prayer and blessing. In the heat of the moment, when you've been hurt or offended by someone, Learn to respond with gentleness. And then here, with these two as well. We talked about that in Romans chapter 12. If someone persecutes you, if someone does bad to you, if someone hurts you, how are you to respond? You're to bless them and do good to them. Whether that changes them or not, it's going to impact you very well. Let, 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 let me read this verse to you in Matthew chapter 6. Where am I? I, I, I? Matthew chapter 5. That's why I couldn't find it. Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the person who's hurt you, that's offended you. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That means so you can be like God. I want to be like God. How do you do that when you're in the heat of this moment? You pray for that person. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be, listen to this, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Our objective and our goal and our interaction and relationship with others, especially those who hurt us, persecute us, and offend us, is to be like God. And the highest of goal of that is to be perfect as God is perfect. How do you achieve that? You control your response, and it's through prayer. It's really hard for me when someone has hurt me 
It's hard for me to pray for them and still hold my feelings against them. It's hard for me to hold feelings against someone for whom I'm lifting up to God in prayer. My prayers may not change them, but it's going to change me and shape me more in the image of God. And then if I'm in turn blessing them and controlling my response with gentleness, then I have learned to the path of being unoffendable. So there, there's one final point that's not in the video I want to mention in the book, but I want to give you a chance to respond or anything else that stood out to you that you noticed. Keith? Uh, we anger, <coughs> and we know it's not right. And when we turn things over to God, we should learn those things. I think another response, and I think he even alluded to it, is wisdom. We should use wisdom that we get in the past. And I think that belongs to your list of there are things. Uh, wisdom, as we go through life, you know, I remember a time when mentally I guess I wanted to curse the nail that bent over a few times and I tried to drive it in. And you keep you know, driving and it keeps venting more. Yeah, I, I, well, no, I had that happen to me the other day. I mean, I had people showing me how to do that. You know, I can drive a nail with about two swings now and they don't bend. You know, I did it from wisdom, but I had to learn it. And I think those things of trusting God, we should learn to turn them over to God. That's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in your sense, learning. Remembering from the past, not repeating the same mistakes, and using better response of wisdom that we learn from those, Kathy. I just think it's a good idea, too, to, to pray that God point out in your life what's triggering you in whatever the situation is, turn it over to Him. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, sometimes our responses have some way, as Jeff said, that we've been hurt. It might be that they're... Um, questioning our motive or it might be that they you know there's just a lot of different things that we learn at a very young it, that it can start at a very young age that um might trigger us yeah oh yeah yeah i've had that in my life i've heard others share that in their lives what just happened is because of something that happened to me in the past and this triggered that so that means I haven't let go of this yet. Right. It's still festering. Yeah, I need to heal of it. Ask for God's forgiveness for your response. Yeah. Whoever triggered you that way, you know. In other words, you've got to work with God by your side, mm -hmm. work through that thing. Yeah. Larry? I was uh, thinking of Jonah and Jonah 4. Yeah, Jonah? Yeah, four times I <clears throat> mentioned Jonah's anger. And twice God asked him, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry again? This the last time he says, put it simply, it's not right, I do. <laughs> I'm so angry I could just die. So, yeah. And anger is a, a very caustic thing. Yeah. Um, you know, controlled anger could be keeping it in, but that's a bad thing too. Psychologists say that much depression is anger held inside mm -hmm. and so if you don't deal with it like you you wash you're angry at your wash you can't say anything you can't show your anger so you just keep it inside 
and then you get depressed. So you deal with it, but how you deal with it? And these are three controlled responses. Whatever it is or whoever it is, do kind and good things towards them. It may not change them, but you'll you'll see it change your heart. Pray for them. It may not change them, but it'll change you. Control your response. It may not take their wrath away, but it'll impact yours. Jeff? Hey, I'm, I'm wrestling with something on, on, on controlled response. And it, it, it seems to me that this is a, uh, to be unoffendable is a relationship individual on individual. But what about a relationship of entities on entities? And I'm thinking of the, uh, the Israeli Hamas situation. I can't see the Israelis uh, as, as a controlled response being gentle, praying for them. And, and so forth. As an individual, I can see an individual Israeli uh, carrying this out, but as a nation state or as an entity, it's a little bit harder for me to grasp. So we can say for certain this applies from one individual to the other. Right. But we're not saying we would not conclude that this means one nation should not go to war against another nation if in defense of itself. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. That's really at the forefront of our minds, interpreting that. Yeah. And so the way you're going with that is, it has application individually, but not on a nation to nation. But controlled level. response. You know, I think of Jesus in the temple. You know, it took him a while to break that that whip. That yeah. was a controlled response. Yeah. But it was Jesus against an entity, the money changers, were, which were in the, the Gentile part of the temple pushing out the Gentiles that were trying to worship God. So I, I think we need to understand that a controlled response can be done with gentleness, prayer, and blessing, but it also has to have strength in there somewhere. Yeah, I would not disagree. A gentle answer turns away wrath. There's an answer to be given. Um, yep, make that tough love. <laughs> tough love, consequences. Question, comments over here? Okay, Tim. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> I just ignore this group over here. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that if it applies to entities upon entities, like Jeff was saying, but um, certainly entities are made up of people. And entities are made up of individuals who can choose their response and it's one of the things that I, I was thinking about that I mean certainly we've been talking about uh, instances of you know an individual angers me or whatever but what about how how we respond either as individuals or groups of individuals to things like hot-button issues and so, you know, I, I get I get offended that the the group that I am, you know, that sits on the other side of the, the aisle doesn't uh, you know doesn't believe the way that I believe. And so I'm I'm suddenly offended and I'm very angry. And so uh, it sets up this us versus them mentality in our nation, in our 
you know, in our churches and, you know, in our relationships with other people and how, how do we respond to that? How should we respond to that? And I think those same things apply just as much in those more abstract contexts as they do in the one-on-one context. So, so there's some application to entities. I think so. Yeah. Well, doesn't Congress work better when they talk to each other? With I won't say gentle, but <clears throat> they have discussions instead of ridiculous fights. Civility is that the word? Yeah, civility. But I, I have one that I'm thinking about. What about if your child is absolutely mistreated? I mean, as a parent, I would get so angry. You know, um, and I think praying at the time that it happened, it's kind of hard when you see your child being bullied or molested or whatever. It's, you want to just lash out at the person. Yeah. So what's your but and what's your what's your what's your objective in that moment? To resolve to resolve it or just to punish them? I'm not thinking about any objective. I'm thinking about I'm just giving. I'm, it's never happened. I'm just thinking, you know, parents that it has happened to that I've read about, and they are so angry. Um, you're protecting your child. Yeah, you're protecting your child. You're just like. The animals in the kingdom, they protect their, mm-hmm. their babies, or they try to, and so... Well, the first, the first objective would be to protect that child, mm-hmm. yeah. and then dealing with the offender is another issue, but your first response, well, it doesn't have to be a child, it could be a spouse, a loved mm-hmm. one. Right. Yeah. Thank you for the warning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll see. (laughs) Protect. I mean, that's to stop the offense, to protect the child or the spouse or the friend. Yeah. Is it is it is it true, sincere, appropriate protection? Then it should be. But if it's just prideful temper and anger response taking vengeance back on them then there's a mistake yeah yeah but that's that's a real life situation where it's it's a challenge yeah i mean jesus turned over the table yeah we, I really enjoyed our discussion on that story. We talked about that. That's quite fascinating. And how does that apply to us? And when when are we permitted to behave in that way like Jesus did? In what case would we go? There he is, just like Jesus. That that was quite a quite a good study. I had one more one more thought I wanted to share with you, but we've run out of time. Um, we'll try to grab it next time. We we may even squeeze two videos into next week um, because I have two more weeks and three videos to cover. So one's going to be one week, one's going to be, one, one week is going to have one lesson and the second week is going to have two lessons. So anyway, let me say a prayer and um, we'll, we'll pick up next week. 
Father, you've heard our, our discussion, and and again, it feels as though uh, the discussion is not over. We're still wrestling in our thoughts of of our interactions with others, those that would come against us, come against our children. We're wrestling in our thoughts of one nation that comes against a, another group of people, as we see with Israel and Hamas. We wrestle in our thoughts as we see the the racial issues in our nation and we see the political issues in our nation and we see what so seems to be inappropriate responses and fighting and conflict and fires that are burning that are just being fueled more and more by people who seem to try to resolve the problems but make it worse. As followers of yours, we seek you and your wisdom, and we pray that you will embed these biblical principles in our hearts to know what it means to give a gentle answer, to turn away wrath, to know what it looks like to bless those who persecute us, convict us and challenge us and remind us to pray for these individuals, Lord God, who come against us. And in the midst of these responses to what happens in our lives, we ask that you would shape inform us more into the image of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, well, I so appreciate you coming tonight. We'll see you next Wednesday. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.